Chapter 8 of St. Bonaventure's Life of Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ by St. Bonaventure. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 The Epiphany or Manifestation of Our Lord Jesus. On this day, which is the twelfth after the Nativity, our Lord Jesus vouchsafed to make himself known to the Gentiles in the person of the three kings. Render yourself present, then, pious reader, to every circumstance herein related concerning this holy and solemn festival, for you are to understand that no other festival in the Holy Church has such a diversity of service in its antiphons, lessons, responsories, or whatever else belongs to its celebration, as this has. Not that it is greater or more excellent than all other festivals, but only that on this day many things both great and wonderful were wrought by our Lord Jesus, which chiefly regard the state and condition of the Church itself. First, then, the church which is gathered from the Gentiles was on this day received by Christ Jesus in the person of the three kings. For on the day of his nativity he had manifested himself to the shepherds as representatives of the Jews, from whom, a small number excepted, he met with no reception. But on this day he appeared again and made himself known to the Gentiles by whom he was immediately acknowledged and received, and from them it is that we are descended, who now form the Church of God's chosen people. This day, therefore, ought specially to be kept as a most solemn feast in the Church of God, and celebrated with great pomp, and with hearts full of joy, by all good and pious Christians. Secondly, this day, nine and twenty years after his nativity our lord jesus was baptized by which mystery he spiritually wedded and truly espoused his holy church and united it to himself and therefore on this occasion is joyfully sung odie celesti sponso juncta est ecclesia etc this day the church is wedded to her heavenly spouse for in our baptism, which receives all its efficacy from that of Christ, our souls being cleansed from the stain of sin and newly clothed with grace, are truly espoused and wedded to him, and the congregation of souls, thus baptized, constitute the church of God's chosen people. Thirdly, on the same day, a year after his baptism, he wrought his first miracle at the marriage feast, converting water into wine, which, by allegory, may be likewise taken for the spiritual marriage between him and his church. It is probable, likewise, that on the like day our Lord Jesus wrought that other wonderful miracle of multiplying the loaves and fishes. However, the church on this day only celebrates the three first of these mysteries. Consider hence in what great veneration and esteem this day ought to be held, upon which our Lord Jesus chose to work so many and such ineffable mysteries. The Holy Church, therefore, 
mindful of the many benefits and extraordinary favors conferred upon her this day by her divine spouse to show her grateful sense of them rejoices sings and solemnizes the same with praise thanksgiving and the utmost magnificence but as the solemn institution of this festival was chiefly to commemorate the mystery of the epiphany we will on that account proceed to a farther contemplation of it and defer meditating on the others till we shall treat of them in their proper place according to the order in which they happened and even concerning the coming of the three kings to christ our saviour my design here is not to lay before the reader any of those learned comments or moral expositions which many holy men with great pains and industry have made on this subject and on this account for the manner of their coming from the east to jerusalem the star which conducted them thither what passed between them and herod or for the matter and meaning of their offerings and other things of the kind i refer the reader to the holy gospel and to the expositions of learned men on these heads as i said in the beginning of this work my intention as well in this as in all other incidents which occur in the life of christ is only to set down some few meditations according to such devout conceptions as a pious mind is capable of forming in relation to those things which either happened in fact or might have happened according to reasonable conjecture but it was by no means my purpose to perform the office of an expositor first because i am unequal to the task and secondly it would prove too copious a subject for one man to comment upon be mindful then with redoubled attention to render yourself present as it were to every particular here treated for in this consists the whole force and efficacy of these meditations the three kings therefore being come to bethlehem with a great multitude of people and a noble retinue stopped as the star directed them at the little hut in which our lord jesus was born the blessed virgin hearing the tumultuous noise of many people snatches up her blessed son jesus in her arms and in that moment the three kings entering the little mansion as soon as they beheld the holy babe jesus threw themselves on their knees to adore him thus prostrate in a devout and reverent posture they honored him as their king and worshipped him as their god reflect how great and lively their faith must be what in reality did then appear that could excite them to believe that a poor tender infant in the arms of as poor a mother dejected meanly clothed in a despicable cottage without furniture without company without attendants could be really a king could be truly their god and yet such was their faith that they believed both in spite of all that their senses had to offer in opposition such were the guides such the first leaders which heaven thought proper to give us and such the great originals it behooves us to copy after they had devoutly paid this homage to our blessed redeemer and duly honored his holy mother remaining still on their bended knees before him 
we may piously imagine that they now began to discourse with the holy virgin and to ask many questions concerning her beloved son which they might do either by the help of an interpreter or by themselves since they were men of great wisdom and learning they were probably sufficiently versed in the hebrew language they therefore submissively request her to acquaint them with the particular circumstances relating to the holy babe and herself the blessed virgin relates to them and they readily believe all that she tells them observe reverently with what awe they address and listen to her by turns mark too with what graceful majesty mixed with a becoming modesty the sacred queen of virgins returns the necessary replies neither forward to talk nor desirous to be seen yet god on this occasion endowed her with more than usual resolution to support her dignity in the presence of these princely votaries as they represented the whole church which he afterwards was to establish and did establish here again contemplate our lord jesus who not yet pleased to speak with benign and pleasant aspect fixed his eyes upon them and with gravity becoming his full maturity of judgment attentively observes them full well understanding all that passes and what pleasure must not these admiring princes conceive in beholding him the fairest and the most beautiful among the children of men and to behold him not merely with the eyes of the body but with a kind of mental intuition as men inwardly taught and enlightened by the object they gazed on thus replenished with joy and consolation at length they made their offerings to him in the following manner opening their coffers and spreading a carpet at the feet of our lord jesus they humbly kneeled down before him and laying their treasures at his feet devoutly offered him the precious gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh in great abundance but more especially of gold we may reasonably suppose that the gifts of these three kings were both great and rich and that the gold might exceed all the rest in quantity and bulk for had their offerings been but small and of little value it would have been a needless trouble for them to have opened their treasures as the gospel says they did when their servants who were near at hand might have helped them to what they wanted more readily and with less trouble when they had completed their offerings and laid their precious treasures before him they reverently prostrated themselves and devoutly kissed his sacred feet and why may not we piously imagine that the blessed infant full of divine wisdom the more to comfort them and settle their affections on him tendered them his divine little hand to kiss and blessed them with it after this they submissively inclined to our blessed lady and taking leave of her and saint joseph with hearts full of joy and comfort they returned again as the gospel says into their native country by another way but what may we imagine did the blessed virgin do with those gifts or how can we suppose she employed so great a quantity of gold and other valuable presents 
did she think you hoard them up for her own or her divine son's use did she lay them out in the purchase of lands or houses no she was too much in love herself with virtuous poverty and knew too well the will of her blessed infant for their inward communication of souls as well as every little outward gesture left her no room to doubt of his contempt of riches what use then could she make of them what use the best and only virtuous use that can be made of earthly riches in a word she distributed them in a few days to the poor of so little estimation nay so burdensome and offensive in the sight of christ and his mother are the treasures of this world and the pride of kings nay our blessed lady so entirely disposed of the whole that at her entrance after into the temple to present her child she had not wherewith to purchase a lamb for his ransom as the law directed but offered a pair of turtle doves for him the usual offering of the poor thus is it consonant with reason both to admire the magnificent devotion of the wise men in the nobleness of their offerings and to adore the exalted charity and love of poverty of the queen of heaven in her distribution of them to the indigent you have here gentle reader before your eyes the truest and best commendation that can be given to poverty concerning which two things are especially worthy your observation first christ our saviour and his holy mother disdained not to receive alms like necessitous persons secondly they were so far from being solicitous to attain riches or anxious to hoard them that they would not so much as keep what was liberally bestowed upon them increasing daily in the love and desire of poverty but have you yet reflected on the profound humility that appears in them on this occasion surely if you recollect you cannot but perceive a most perfect example of it we daily meet with many who in their own eyes are very mean and not raised by any opinion of merit they experience in themselves yet are wholly unwilling to appear such in the eyes of others and cannot easily bear to be contemned by any to have their faults disclosed or that the meanness of their condition should be made public lest it might draw upon them the scorn and derision of the world but this is not the example which our lord jesus gives them this day who though the supreme lord and master of all things would have his poverty exposed to all and his low condition appear openly to others and this not to a few only or to such as were poor and distressed like himself but even to numbers of rich and noble personages to princes and kings and to their numerous retinue nay and this at a time of no little danger for they who came from such remote countries in search of the king of the jews whom they believed to be god and lord of all things finding him in so poor and humble a condition might thence have imagined themselves grossly deluded and therefore returned home without either faith or devotion 
but this hindered not our true lover of humility from giving us so rare an example that we might learn from him never to neglect the true practice of that virtue under the specious pretext of some fancied good but that we should learn to be solicitous of appearing contemptible not only to our own but even to the eyes of others End of chapter 8